Integrated Kinetic Neurology is a system born out of the understanding that there is no singular approach to healing the human body. They believe by combining the most cutting-edge techniques in the field of neuroscience and movement, there can be immediate and long-lasting effects such as decreased pain, improved performance, improved function, and quality of life. ICANN co-founders Ryan Foley and Kyle Paxton are my guests today. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. get into it. I am sitting here with Ryan and Kyle from Integrative Kinetic Neurology, IKN. What's up, guys? How are you doing? Hi, John. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. I'm so uh, happy to have you guys here because you have uh, done something with your education models that I absolutely love. Anybody who listens to the podcast, follows me, knows I love practical neurology. I love the application of neurological techniques that really help someone uh, live better and move better. So, what we would love to know from uh, both of you guys is really kind of where you came from as far as your healthcare uh, careers and then how we got into IKN. So, uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about your background and your training. Yeah. So me and Kyle actually met in a physical therapy school. And I think at that time, Kyle, you were doing some performance-based neurology stuff as well while we were in college. Yeah. And I was always really intrigued by that, but I was kind of sticking with what we were learning in school. I was trying to get through school at that point. And it really wasn't until... I moved into Manhattan after I graduated and I started working in an orthopedic clinic in there. And you really start to understand that what you learn in school, it doesn't really equip you with all the tools you need to be able to address pain-related conditions and performance-related conditions. And it really wasn't until I met one client who really wasn't responding to any of the stuff I learned in school. I was doing core stability work, I was doing stretching, manual release, the whole, the whole lot. We really didn't even need it. And he went to a... It was a physio who also did some functional neurology, and he just paired a pallet press with a convergence strip, a visual drill. And that was the thing that just added that extra layer to helping him overcome that back pain he had. So I had to jump down that rabbit hole much, much deeper. So I shadowed him for a while, and I just learned about integrating more than just the proprioceptive layer within treatment. And then at that point, I moved home. I opened up my own cash-based clinic, and I, my, my neurology background is in a... You know, therapy approach called proprioceptive deep tendon reflex, PDR for short, which was developed by a, an orthopedic surgeon from Mexico called Jose Palama, who's a really fantastic person. And I brought that into my clinic and started getting really great success. But at the same time, I think it's tough when you're, like I'm sure you know as well, and Kyle will attest to this as well, whenever you try to apply neurology with orthopedics or any kind of physiotherapy, it's, it's sort of tough to meet the client where they are. Like, how do you explain to the client that they need to do visual drills or vestibular-based drills with their proprioceptive-based drills or with manual therapy and so on? So I think a lot of neurology-based techniques or principles out there or systems out there, I should say, you can go very, very deep. But again, you have to understand that, again, you're treating a client that has no idea as to why they might need to delve into these layers. So that's why IKN came about was me and Kyle kind of reached out to each other and we said, we kind of looked back and said, right, imagine what physical therapists have gone through the system that we've gone through. Imagine what they could do if they just implemented simple applied neurological techniques or principles into their practice. They could get so much change with their clients, but we wanted to make it simple and accessible for clients. We wanted to take all that neurological education that we've done and just make it accessible and simple for physical therapists initially to, to apply. But it's really after blowing up now, like we're, we're in many countries all over the world at the moment. So it's great to see. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. Kyle, what was that uh, physical therapy school that you guys went to? Yeah, so we we both graduated from uh, Nazareth College up in Rochester, New York. And oh um, yeah, I know that area. Yeah, yeah. So where it snows like eleven months out of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I actually grew up there in Rochester and got my bachelor's in exercise science, and then went and got my DPT from Nazareth, where me and Ryan met. Like you said, um, I had a little bit different of a path than Ryan. I was exposed to some of the neurology stuff really early. Um, like while I was still in my undergrad, I was uh, mentored by a guy named Dan Fichter, who uh, is a super awesome kind of neuro performance guy who owns a facility called want to get fast in Rochester and him and this Cairo who was uh, really heavily Carrick trained, um, Carrick yeah. Institute trained. They started influencing me cause I was like, Hey, what the heck are they doing? I don't know any of that. And I was really working through that model, mostly through all of PT school. So I knew that's really what I wanted to do. And I, I moved down to the DC metro area, which is where I am now. Um, and opened up a cash-based practice right out of school. So now we're kind of cooking down here with a couple locations. But um, like Ryan said, ICANN really started organically just out of a need that we saw um, because both of us, and as I'm sure you can attest to, uh, we're all continuing at junkies, right? We want to just learn, 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 learn. So because of that, we, we felt there were some gaps in the continuing education world that we wanted to try to fill specifically in this realm of applied neurology, right? And those two biggest pillars, like Ryan just said, are simplicity and accessibility. Um, because you, you see other, other uh, applied neurology realms like to go really deep, and that's okay, and it's great for the provider to know that. But you have to be able to bridge the gap with the patient, like Ryan said. And that was the main reason we wanted to start ICANN. And honestly, just because physical therapists weren't doing it a lot, like you see it a lot in the Cairo world or the trainer world. And we wanted to try to help get after that demographic initially. Um, and now, now we're really across a lot of different professions, but um, that's how we got going. It ended up just starting uh, with a conversation between me and Ryan after school. Yeah. Well, I can speak from the chiropractic perspective too. It's, it's not really done that much either. Um, you know, people, <laughs> people know of Carrick and, uh, uh, International Association of Functional Neurology and Rehab, but not too large of a population uh, of DCs and other manual practitioners really do a lot of that stuff too. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard this from uh, other guests on the podcast. There are other um, seminar series out there is putting this neurological perspective into our therapy. Cause, and I think Brian, you just said it, you know, we're really good at the proprioceptive side of things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Maybe if you guys need to use a case study to answer this question, give, give us an idea of some of the things that you guys said you were seeing were not necessarily being addressed that were kind of keeping people back from getting the results that you wanted. Well, well I, I can use that client I had in, in New York City as an example. This, this chap came in, he was, a, he was actually a bodybuilder and he had chronic low back pain. It was kind of a very non-specific low back pain where it was just dull and achy right in the base of his back. And... I think I was, I must have been maybe two or three months out of school at this point, and I didn't know what to do with him because he had great core stability, he had six-pack abs, he had great flexibility, wow. he didn't really have much tightness around his hips or his lower back, and this, is, this was going through my mind at the time. I didn't really know to look up or down the chain and look at other joints, let alone look at these high-order neurological systems that might influence things. And I worked with him probably for about four to five weeks, and he really made no change whatsoever 
just with the basic stuff I was doing. And again, at the same time, I was working with like two or three clients at the same time in a, in a physical therapy setting there. So he sought out this practitioner in, um, in New York City. And the after I kind of shadowed the practitioner, he kind of gave me an insight into why he went straight to the eyes. And it's, it's really because a lot of the, the musculature around the spine is, is reflexive in nature. It's controlled reflexively. I mean, if you can't consciously rotate C1 on C2 in your neck, right? A lot of that tone held in those muscles along the spine is dictated by the, the, the integration of these higher order systems. Mm-hmm. Okay, so really what we're trying to do with rehabs, we're trying to make those systems function more effectively. Because like, I, I think a hallmark sign for a nice, strong, resilient spine is relaxation, not necessarily tension. And so yeah. as a therapist, I was teaching people how to brace their core. I was teaching a bodybuilder how to brace his core like when he was doing something. And I knew in the back of my head, like, what in the name of God am I doing? There has to be <laughs> something that's going on here. And so he went to see this, this physio. He, we did some neuro stuff. And all the, all the physiotherapists did was challenge these neurological systems, was try to load the visual system, specific movement systems of the eyes, specific reflexes in the inner ear. Because we're all, we, as physios, we know that we need to challenge the load of the proprioceptive system, right? The proprioceptive system needs to accept load, but the visual system needs to accept load as well. The vestibular system needs to accept load. And when these all can communicate well together, then movement becomes more efficient. You, don't have, you shouldn't have to consciously brace your core to be able to move well. And so it wasn't the case where it was kind of wildly out of the box, but he just found that, again, the convergence, the ability of the eyes to move close together and follow a moving target towards the, towards the nose, just wasn't loading well. And so all he did was pair a palloff press or a, an anti-rotation drill with a resistance band with a convergence drill. And that was just another layer to give his brain the information it needed to, to know where the spine was in space, let's say, or to give it enough resources to be able to control the spine on a reflexive level. That's how I sort of think of things. I'm just thinking, how can I give the nervous system everything it needs to allow the body to be controlled effectively and efficiently on a reflexive level without having to consciously think of it. And so it was as simple as that. I wasn't, I don't think it was a case where I wasn't doing the right thing. It just wasn't enough information for the nervous system at that point in time to say, Hey, I know your body's in space. And so I don't feel the need to, to lay down these protective responses in the form of pain, stiffness, and tension. Right. So I, th- I think yeah. it's just adding more layers to your, to your approach and not thinking that what you're doing is, is, is not right, it's not wrong. It's just maybe we need to give the nervous system more information to make better decisions. I love yeah, that I approach too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Go, ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I just love that approach too. Is, is You said it perfectly, and it's something I think we need to do more of as healthcare providers. Is It's not that anybody's doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's right. just we might not be doing the right thing for that person, or maybe we need to do more. Everything exactly. works. That's the dirty little yeah. secret. We just have to find what works for that individual. Yeah, there wouldn't be therapy. There wouldn't be chiropractic or osteopathy. There wouldn't be so many yeah. disciplines if nothing worked or if one was more right than the other. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and, no, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was about to emphasize. As therapists and rehab professionals, we tend to be really good at working through the proprioceptive system. Obviously, that does work, right? Because people get better. But mm-hmm. if you really understand how movement happens, you understand that we are multi-sensory creatures. So it's, it's almost ignorant to only work through that one system, right? So if we want to try to be as efficient as possible and give information to our body in the way that it truly likes to receive information and move through the world, then it's simple stuff that you can do. It doesn't need to add any extra time necessarily. It just needs to be layered on top. And I think that's the thing that we want to try to preach as much as possible is 
the simplicity of it and layer it with your movement, right? Don't change what you're already doing. Just understand that other systems are involved and bring those into the same picture. That's a really good point too. And I think that really helps you get your patients kind of on board with it is we're just adding one little extra thing to it. It's not necessarily taking away from something. It's not necessarily giving you five extra different exercises or anything like that, but it's so, so powerful. What were some of the struggles that you guys had when you started to implement this into your own practice? Because you had mentioned before that, you know, with systems like this, with higher level systems, and partly because I think the conditioning of the average patient, Mm -hmm. they expect certain things. How do you explain to someone, this is what I want to do, and this is why I want to do it? Yeah, I think for me, it was almost about not trying to tell the client exactly what they needed. I wanted the client to come to their own conclusion to say, hey, maybe this is something that I might need to address and just plant the seeds initially. So when a client comes into my office, I I always try and do some kind of reflexive test and, and balance is the best kind of in. It's the best way to kind of show the client how you're more than just muscles. There are other systems higher up the chain that influence the muscles. Like if you have, if someone has ever had vertical, how well does your body move with vertical? So you see how the proprioceptive system is influenced with vestibular issues. So I, I, I do a test to see how well can this individual absorb load? So you can manipulate the senses, you can manipulate the eyes, see how that changes the body, see how well their balance does with the eyes. So they say, hey, my eyes are crucial, a crucial component to be able to coordinate my movement. And so I just leave it there with them and say, hey, do you see how when we change your eye position or when we changed the information going through the eyes, do you see how your body changed? You see your body had a bit of extra instability, instability there. So it's not a case where your eyes are the cause for your back pain. Hey, they, they might be a, a component of the overall equation to kind of restoring optimal function or f- full function within your body. And so I, I always, I, I really always try and understand that again, the, the client's expectations for what their recovery should look like is, is the most important component of any therapeutic process. So I don't want to dive too deep because if I, if I go straight to their eyes, let's say, for example, or their cerebellum or their vestibular system, that, if that doesn't meet their expectations, that's a threat right there in itself. So they're already in more hyper alert mode as to what's going on. So I just want to try and create that connection with the clients, allow them to come to their own conclusions by doing a few tests before just focusing on the painful body part, let's say, just to plant seeds to how influential these systems are. And then work slowly. It doesn't have to be a very quick process. I think we, we, sometimes we try and fix the clients, and I'm using air quotations there as well. We try and fix the clients too quickly, but clients adapt to change. So sometimes it takes time for the clients to really build resilience and then build long-term change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think one thing that across the movement professional world, whether you're in rehab or sports performance training, is that we do a really bad job about is managing patient expectation, like Ryan was saying. And in this round, when you're introducing new things, obviously that's super important. I think it's a delicate balance of giving some of what the patient wants versus what the patient needs, right? And a lot of that in the initial stages is giving them some of what they want. Like I, I always use this example in the courses, but like if someone's coming into you with an injury that's a repeated injury, right? And before they're like, oh man, my last therapist did this exercise to me and this really, really helped me you better be doing that exercise, right? Because they perceive that as really helpful. And I think trying to have that open line of communication is really important. And something that me and Ryan both felt 
was was missing from a lot of continuing education courses in general, but especially a lot of this deep neurology stuff. They teach you all of this, but then they just throw you back into the clinic, right? And you need to understand how to slowly bring these pieces in and have many different ways of how to explain it to the patient. Because like you said, John, every single person is going to perceive things differently, but also needs different things, right? And not just needs different techniques, but needs different language and wording of how to explain it. So the more options you have, I think the better results you're always going to get. And that's something that to a certain extent comes with time, but um, through a lot of experimentation here, me and Ryan have figured out some of the things that we think works best, but um, that's the beauty of it, right? Everyone's going to pull it into their practice and use it in their own different way and use it with their own patient demographic in the way that they find works best. And um, that's just something we really try to emphasize. How long were you guys practicing and, and, and using this kind of methodology before you decided to start uh, making courses? Yeah, it was really just a couple of years, honestly. Um, I think we, we realized very quickly, and, and Ryan, I think, realized within the first couple months what he was missing in his practice. Um, because I had exposure really all through PT school, I was using it a lot then already, like on clinicals and things. Um, but it, it wasn't very long. I mean, within two years of, of graduating, we were like, hey, how do we put this stuff together in a way that we can get it to other people? And it started out just teaching our other friends from PT school, right? Because we were like, hey, I don't know. We think this stuff is kind of cool the way we packaged it. And we flew our bodies in to kind of just do a demo course. And they were all like, I think you guys got something here. And uh, one thing led to another. We just started reaching out to some people and seeing who was interested. And it's, it's really rolled from there only because I think there's a need, right? Like, yeah. Nothing is necessarily new. It's just the way you're, you're packaging it and the way you can get it to the most people possible. And that's what we wanted to do. Get people to look through this neurological lens um, at scale, right? Because you're right, John, even in the DC world, I perceive it as a lot of DCs doing it compared to PTs, but it's still such a small percentage. But this is really the lens that everyone should be looking through to a certain extent. So that, that's, that's what we're trying to do here. Let me ask you, honestly, you know, I think about my own education. I feel like most of my neurological training and study came after graduation. Mm -hmm. um, I was taught extensively in the neurological system, neuroanatomy, clinical neurology. I, I'm not disparaging mm -hmm. that. I, I was taught. We were always taught, though, a lot of these tests to look for the scary stuff. Mm -hmm. but not a lot of practical application. Do you guys feel the same with your PT training? Absolutely. I mean, like yourself in neuroanatomy, you learn all these different ascending, descending pathways, and you learn what, the, what can happen within those pathways when there's a true physiological lesion, like in a, in a neurological condition like Parkinson's disease or MS or stroke. But we never really look to see how that transfers over into the orthopedic population. And I think when you understand that the brain kind of orchestrates every function in the body, then every orthopedic client or every orthopedic presentation, every pain presentation is at some level a neurological issue because yeah. the brain is what orchestrates everything. And so if you can tap into those higher order layers, you can, you can influence things on a much deeper level. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because I actually hated neuro in school. <laughs> uh, like I really hated neuro. And not just because I was biased a little bit from some of the stuff I was learning. I was just like, man, this is, I'm never going to do this. I'm like a sports orthopedic guy, right? And then as you start to learn more, you're like, oh man, the only way to be a really good sports orthopedic guy is to be a really heavy neuro guy, right? So um, it, it's funny because in school, especially 
I, I don't know, Nazareth, I feel like had a, a, a heavier neuro curriculum, maybe like a heavier neuro emphasis, but really through like um, spinal, like spinal conditions, right? Or whether it's a spinal type injury or something like that. And that's really where we got most of our knowledge. And that just never interested me um, until I started learning some of this other stuff. But I think that's the other piece of the puzzle. It would be so helpful to be able to get some of this knowledge into the hands of people who are in school, right? Just not only have them help people um, better maybe when they get out of school, but also just open up the, the interest to them to see, okay, everything really is connected because it, it's just not emphasized a ton. And yes, schools have to teach to the board exams and things like that. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I grew quite frustrated in school and I would imagine a lot of people who are in the neuro world now probably will say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I teach at my chiropractic school now and I can see just, you know, the student frustration because they're, we have to set a basis for education. I understand that too, right. but man, would it be so cool to kind of throw in a lot of this practical stuff just to get them ready a little bit sooner. But uh, it's, it's a tough struggle in the education world. Absolutely. Um, tell us a little bit about your courses. You guys have the ICANN approach, you have the ICANN performance, and then the ICANN kinetic flow. What are the, each of those courses? What do they entail? Yes, yeah, so for the, the ICANN approach, I mean, we've recently developed another course to kind of put more structure on our, our kind of multi-sensory work. So the ICANN approach course, like the level one course, is really designed to kind of put everything into a simplistic package to give you the tools to integrate applied neurology into your current approach. So that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to unload as many things as possible that we've learned through the years to give you in a simplistic format to integrate slowly and make it really unique to you. So we, we kind of have a pyramid that we use as a framework, obviously understanding the, the status of the client as they come in, then understanding how to kind of gradually expose more load to the client. Obviously, you're going to go through the proprioceptive system first. So we do a lot of proprioceptive-based drills, but through a neurological lens on day one. And then day two is looking at these sensory systems and understanding how to understand whether there's changes in those sensory systems' ability to absorb load. So we do a lot of the same neurological tests that you might have learned in school, but we're looking at it from a standpoint of if there's a, a change or an asymmetry in output when we test these systems, then it reflects a change in the input. So how do we modify our treatment interventions to try and give more load to the side that's not accepting load well, just in the same way we do it through the proprioceptive system. And it really people have been getting great success using that, just layering simple neurological drills with what they're currently doing. And then we, we've recently created a level two course to really create structure to putting together a true multi-sensory graded exposure approach like what do you do first next and last how do you add more load to these systems and create the ability of the brain to coordinate movement in the real world because the real world is full of chaos the real world is uncertain so conscious movement in the clinic doesn't always transfer into the real world so how can we add more load to a progressive rehabilitation program to give the the human and the brain the ability to coordinate that movement in the real world. And, and with that, you need to layer in higher order systems with the body, but we do it in a much more structured way. And we show you how we do it in our clinic. And, and we really hope that people find that very successful as well. But I'll leave Kyle to talk about the performance course as well, because that's something that I really think will benefit an awful lot of performance coaches out there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, like, like Ryan said, uh, spoiler alert, we're about to drop our level two course uh, shortly here. So that'll be on the website with some new dates coming out here at the end of the month. Um, but 
for the ICAM performance course, this is this is a one day course and a really standalone course. So no need to take the approach courses first or anything like that. But we don't talk about pain at all in this course, right? It's about how to harness neurology to improve speed, power, strength, things like that. And it's eight hours and it's heavily movement based. Like it's really working out the entire time, right? Everyone's going to be deadlifting. Everyone's going to be squatting and things like that. And um, some of the things we talk about are just how to manipulate movement to make it more stimulatory to the nervous system. And some of that can just be uh, really watered down to just make it as novel as possible, right? We do start to introduce how um, you want to influence some of the visual systems, specifically through gait stability, mostly in our athletes. Um, then we, we talk a lot about uh, stiffness and force absorption and force production and how to look at that stuff through the neural lens um, and really how to modify any exercise you're doing to make it more stimulatory to the nervous system. That's the main takeaway from that course. It's really, really fun because we are moving the whole time. Um, really minimal didactic portions, the PowerPoint's going, but we're, we're testing and moving and things like that. Um, so that's, that's our one day camp performance course. And then we do have our kinetic flow course, which is a one day course that we're trying to um, push towards uh, the, the group exercise where like Pilates instructors, yoga instructors, and how to incorporate a neurological approach into those class-based sessions, right? So um, that's something that we haven't rolled out a ton of dates yet, um, but we think there's a huge market there. So that's another course that we offer. Um, certainly our ICANN approach course, which it will now be our ICANN approach level one, um, is kind of our hallmark uh, intro course that most people are interested in. And that gives you the most information right off the bat. Um, but certainly if you work with the athletic population, the ICANN performance course is a really good fit. That's interesting. I I, have no, I don't know of any other uh, course that really kind of gets you lifting, um, you know, mm -hmm. adding load like, like deadlifting and squatting and stuff like that. That's pretty yeah. unique perspective there. So um, give us a little sizzle, you know, what, what sort of, you know, thing could you possibly do uh, in these courses? What's, what's one tiny little thing without giving too much away that you could learn to maybe spark some interest? Yes. So for, for me, it's, it's, it's all about like when you get a clone for the first time, you, you want to understand what part of their body is their brain not comfortable accepting load through. Mm. And so we always kind of look at things, or let's desensitize the areas of pain. But you have to ask yourself the question, why is that area expressing pain? Why is that individual having a pain experience related to that specific area? Is that area absorbing too, too much load? Or is it not absorbing enough? And so when we look at the proprioceptive system, we're, we're really looking at it from a standpoint of and we assess it in a gait-specific position because, because gait is, is a very stereotypical, it's a very fundamental movement pattern to us as humans. Like when we first get up onto two feet as children, that's our first mature response with the, with the real world. So that's, at that moment, we have to reintegrate the eyes, the inner ear, and the, and the rest of the body at the same time. So it's a position where you can create an awful lot of engagement in. But I want to see does the human in front of me have the ability to access different ranges of motion in that kind of position. So I'm looking at, can they take themselves into a position? If they can take themselves into a specific position, can they trust the information from just the proprioceptive system in that position? Or do they need their visual system to, to compensate for that? So I want to get the individual trusting the proprioceptive system, because there's a lot of research as well on how the visual system can overcompensate, shall we say, after injury. And the, the ACL reconstruction world is looking into the over-reliance on, on visual the visual system 
changes as well. Yeah, there's a cool study out there to show that again after an ACL reconstruction, there's a kind of a high recurrence rate in, in terms of tears because people rely more on their visual system to move. So when you're brought into a position where you're looking away and you have to plant and turn and you're not looking at where you're where you're turning, then you, in that moment you rely a lot more on your proprioceptive system. So if you haven't trained your proprioceptive system with engagement, then you're more vulnerable. So you've so lost some of that proprioceptive input. So your visual system being such a powerful system that it is, is trying to overcompensate and, and do more yeah. for that lost proprioception. That's fascinating. So when I, when I assess the system, I want to make sure that the, the nervous system trusts the information only from the proprioceptive system. Because when you're walking in the real world, you're not looking at your body. Like you're not always looking down at the ground. You need yeah. to be able to have good peripheral vision as well and perceive the world around you well. Because you can only yeah. as well as you can perceive space around you. That's really important. Yeah. So that's 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 a big part of my assessment process. And so we look at that partially in the level one course, but we really focus on kind of delving into each body parts, different limbs and, and through the spine as well to see can the brain trust the information through each system. And if that kind of forms the, the platform for guiding them through a multi-sensory grade exposure rehab approach. Because let, let's say, for example, if, I, if I'm in, in a gate-specific position and I've got my right leg forward, I'm putting, let's say, 80% of the weight through my right leg, 20% through my left leg. If I rotate my, my torso to the right side, I'm, I'm loading on specific tissues in that moment. And then I can get them into that position. If they can achieve that position, that's great. But then can we manipulate the sensory systems in a way to see if the nervous system trusts only the information from the muscles, joints, tendons, and ligaments? And if it doesn't, then maybe we need to use that as a platform and start layering other sensory systems in that position to give the information, all the information the brain needs to be able to feel safe in that position. And, that, and that you can do that for the lower limb, you can do that for the spine, you can do that for the upper limb, and so on and so forth. So in addition to that, then we, we this, is, this is one thing as well that I think really separates us from lots of other applied neurology courses. We, we don't try and localize issues in different parts of the brain. So let's say, for example, like if someone has like a dropped a shoulder, let's say the right shoulder is dropped forward and in, you might say, okay, that's definitely a, a difference between the flexor and extensor tone there. And so what system in the brain or what part of the brain controls that flexor and extensor synergy? Let's say it's the brainstem or the, the PMRF, the pontic medullary reticular formation, let's say. Mm -hmm. And you might say, if you're, if you're looking at it from a very advanced standpoint, what kinds of things can I do to drive plasticity into that part of the brain? I can do, my, I can do movements with the eyes in a particular direction. I can move the head in a particular direction to drive plasticity into that system. But that's, that, you can imagine that's very difficult for, a, let's say, a physical therapist to assess in a, in a clinical setting. So we just want to teach people how to, uh, to test the proprioceptive system's ability to accept load and to load the visual system in different ways as well. So the visual system has many different ways it functions. You've got eye movement systems, you've got peripheral vision, you've got visual acuity, you've got to have depth perception. So each one of these eye movement systems and other visual skills have to be able to absorb load well. And you can test those. And if yeah. you find the system or perhaps reflexes in accepting load well, then just like we would through movement, we need to provide that system with a safe loading experience so that they can then transfer that into the real world. Same thing with the vestibular system. You can do a very generic screen of the vestibular system and its ability to, to produce output. Or you can then look at the individual reflexes and see which reflex is loading well. So it's very simple to do that. It takes seconds to do. Instead of looking at what part of the brain needs more load, Let's find out yeah. 
instead of looking at what localized region of the brain needs more load and then look to use lots of things to try and dry that, I'm looking at right, what system can absorb load well, what system can absorb load well, is there a particular part of that system that can absorb load well, and then I just integrate that into movement, and it becomes very a unique and personalized approach for the clients. And then you can you, you go through this through a series of sessions. You start low load, and then you, you gradually build, but you're making sure that that load is specific to the client's presentation. Right, so, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, very cool listening to that. You know, another really good point that you made too is for anybody who's kind of thinking about this is on the fence. It is a fairly quick evaluation process. Mm -hmm. It tells you a lot very quickly, and then you can throw it in there. And this isn't the best way to describe it, but it's kind of like a magic trick to your patients. They love yeah, this kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of like neurology courses have the, the perception of being like full of party tricks. You know, there's lots of party yeah. tricks with the nervous system. There's other cool things you can do, but, but where does that fit into a rehab program? You know, yeah. make any, any kind of input to the nervous system is going to have some kind of motor consequence. It can have yeah. a change in motor output. It can have a change in cognitive output. It can make you feel different. In some in some way, shape, or form, but how do we add that add structure to that? And we yeah. do that by slowly working through these systems and, and meeting the client where they are, and not and go too quick. We sequentially add load because if we can improve someone's load tolerance, not just through their proprioceptive system, but through the systems, then we can improve their load tolerance in the real world and really embrace the multi-sensory nature of their their movement. Very cool stuff. So I want to get into some of the different tools that you guys. Uh, like to use in some of uh, your practice and also in your seminars, but um, let's do that by also talking about you have uh, started a relationship with Rock Tape, Rock Tape Canada specifically, and you're doing some uh, co-education, I guess you could say it. Yeah, yeah. So it it actually all started with, of course, the one and only the Movement Maestro. Uh, <laughs> tends to be the ultimate connector, and she. She came to our San Diego course, which is really one of our first courses. This was within six months of us starting. Um, and she's really been big in our corner ever since and has opened up a lot of uh, relationships with other rock tape instructors and um, Joe Lavaca we've had a lot of uh, interactions with and things like that. But that led us to Brad Norris up at Rock Tape Canada. Um, and he had an interesting idea of how the – the values and things that we're teaching of prioritizing the nervous system really runs right in line with what rock tape does. Right. So yeah. they, they go hand in hand really well. And when you can have someone who's taken rock tape courses and say, okay, yeah, I really understand this, how, how this proprioceptive piece is an influence in the nervous system, but I want to learn more. It's kind of a natural bridge. So um, yes, we did a course up in Toronto uh, not too long ago, just a couple of months back. Um, that was officially co-branded Rock Tape IKN. And we went through our IKN approach course as we normally would. But at each pillar, we really talked about how we would incorporate Rock Tape, Rock Pods, those types of things into our approach and the things that we're teaching. So uh, we are going to be rolling out a couple more of those for 2020 here. But I think uh, it's a really cool thing when you can see education companies collaborating, right? Because that's how providers are actually going to use it in their practice, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to just say, oh, I'm going to take this one thing and that's all I'm going to do. So if we can actually start teaching it that way, the results are always going to be better. So um, that's something we've been doing up there. So we'll have a couple of candidate courses rolling out. Um, and certainly we always love our relationship with all the U.S. active instructors as well. But um, we're, we're officially doing some stuff up there. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Everything, uh, every course I teach, I start by telling people I am not teaching you anything to change the way you practice, meaning 
to for you to eliminate anything you're already doing. I'm teaching you stuff to change the way you practice by adding to it. And I think people really got to understand that is there should be more yeah. collaboration. Because mm-hmm. again, as, as a, an instructor in a chiropractic school, I see this all the time is you get kids who latch on to different techniques, different groups. And to them, that's the only thing that works. That's all that's there. I was like that in school too. And I learned you just can't do that, number one. But number two, it all works together so well when you truly understand the concepts. So I'm interested to know, you know, uh, like let's take tape, for instance. What sort of things can you use tape for with the IKN approach? Yep, for, for, for me, I see tape as a, as a, like for some clients, I see tape as a fantastic way to reduce fear avoidant behaviors. If, okay. if, I can, if I can work through with certain body parts and give valuable input to the system, for me, frequency is much more important than intensity in terms of trying to facilitate neuroplastic changes. So if I can put tape on someone and provide that consistent input to the system to give their brain the, the reassurance that they're aware of a particular area, of which we provide a valuable input through before, and we know that they they, they they get value from input through that area, then if I put that on them and that lasts for two or three days, that can really open up a fantastic window of opportunity to just continue to improve low tolerance through the system. But, but even with like past injuries, as well, I, I use it an awful lot with past injuries mm. because whenever you have a past injury, obviously it's going to, it's going to take little resources to try and adapt and manage that, that issue. And we've all had those clients where, they come and see you and say, yeah, I've, I've just developed this back pain. Again, I, I got it 10 years ago, but it's just after coming back to me. Right? And it could be from a stressful experience in work. It could be from anything. But obviously, there was a part of that lower back that was always telling the brain, something's going on here, something's going on here. And, but you just have the resource to be able to manage that input. Some other stressor came along and then lowered your resources. And so now this input from the lower back is, is being kind of addressed by the nervous system, being interpreted by the nervous system as something is threatened. So if I can get a, a really clear picture of, a, of an individual's past injury and apply input through those regions, it gives the brain much more resources and puts them in a, in a better neurological state, you can say, to respond better to the current treatment I'm, I'm delivering. So I, I really yeah, like I, that yeah. just reducing, uh, or just improving proprioceptive input, consistent proprioceptive input. To the system. Yeah, and I mean that's the goal of tape in in general, and I love how flexible you can use it, right? But like even going back to Ryan's case at the beginning, that that physio that was working with Ryan's bodybuilder patient, he was having him do eye drills while doing a pelos press, right? That's kind of like an active therapy localization to bring awareness to that low back. That's Absolutely. exactly what I do with tape too, right? So I put tape on the area where they have some discomfort to bring some lo- therapy localization or some awareness to that area. Well, I do my sensory drills, right? So now we're layering the systems in together, bringing some awareness and some local connection to where their pain is. So it starts to bridge that expectation gap too. Um, but it can be really powerful. If you do sensory drills on its own compared to when you do sensory drills with some local uh, uh, localization around where they have pain, it can be dynamically different results, right? So um, I use tape and pods in that way many, many times. And many times it's a past injury, like Ryan said, a, a local area of an injury that they don't even necessarily have pain with, but we're trying to give resources back so your body can manage that area better. Um, it, it makes it fun. Like it makes therapy fun when you can start to use all this stuff. But Kyle, just for anybody who's familiar with pods and even, even 
especially familiar with with cupping and the decompressive yeah. component. I think it's hard for a lot of people to get past the decompression of the tissue. Talk about the yeah. neurological aspect of pods because that's something I try to emphasize in class. Yeah, I think uh, this is something I have conversations with my patients with almost every single time I use it, right? Because they're like, well, what does cupping even do, right? And then I'm, they're like, oh, well, it brings blood flow to the area, right? And I'm like, okay, well, not really sure. All you need to think of it as is a stimulus to the area. That's all I want you to think of it as, whether it's, it's a pod, whether it's tape, whether it's me tapping on your back, it's all stimulus to the area. And, and yes, you can, you can put them on in, in an area in a, a, a certain way. You can put them on a fascial sling or something like that, but that's really just still giving information to the brain through the proprioceptive system. So I try to keep it as simple as that and don't get caught up in any of the nitty gritty of the other stuff. Um, think of everything as a stimulus, no matter what you're doing. And you can grade that stimulus appropriately with different types of pressure if you really want to start getting into different sensory receptors. But um, sure. as, as a whole, I say, okay, hey, we know we, have, we know we have pain in this area and you don't want to move this area because you have pain which means you're not getting as much information from this area as you need. So we're going to put pods on here to try to help your brain get some information from the area, which hopefully will help you lead to getting more movement, right? And that's really all we're doing with sensory work too, just giving the brain more information. So it all fits in. I think of pods as sensory work, just as I would think of visual drills as sensory work. It's all through the same lens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that too, because pods is just the stimulus on the skin. It does have a decompressed effect but yeah then you could be like well, well our floss is compressive it's a different <laughs> stimulus so try yeah. one try the other do work do they both work together do they work separately yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and that's the same thing with tape if you understand tactile sensation you understand somebody might be lacking that slap a piece of tape on there the more you understand about it the easier the application seems yeah. to be do you guys agree absolutely. with that absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it, so, it, it gives you more options, right? Because like I always tell people, the more options you have, the less you're going to get backed into a corner because there's nothing worse than you doing something with a patient and not working and you not knowing what to do next, right? No so when you understand this kind of broader lens, there's really no end to things. And when something doesn't go right or they don't get better, you're like, okay, that's okay. Your nervous system just didn't find value in that or we need more. You, you always have this confidence behind you. And I think that's really important for a patient to understand as well. Mm -hmm. I like how you said that too. Your nervous system doesn't find value in that too. You know, we talk about positive, negative response. That makes a lot of sense. Is your nervous system just like, eh, whatever, you know? Yeah. I think, I I think like people as well, they're always looking for the, the next best technique, the, the sexiest technique, the oh, technique yeah. that looks real complex. But at the end of the day, all information is raw information. You're trying to give the nervous system the raw, the raw materials it needs to self-organize for the right movement to emerge. Because if we could precisely manipulate the human brain that's evolved over millions and millions of years, even though the smartest people in the world, neuroscientists in the world are still struggling to do that, then we wouldn't be physical therapists or rehab professionals. We'd be billionaires, you know? <laughs> we just can't precisely manipulate the brain. So we, we always have to, like Carla said, understand, is this raw information valuable to your nervous system? And if it's valuable, you can get a change in the output, hopefully in the form of less pain, more movement, more flexibility, perhaps whatever the, the need is. Yeah. I yeah, think something to take away too for people is that you know what you want. You know what the end result you want is less pain, better function, feeling better too. So test yeah. things against that, you know, exactly. do something, see if you get the result that you're looking for. If you don't mm -hmm. try something else, right? Mm -hmm.
Yeah, and that's as simple as it needs to be, right? Do something, give a stimulus, see what happens afterwards. It doesn't have to be more complex, and that's inherently what people do already. They just don't think of it through the neurological lens. But I think this approach really starts to have you appreciate the uniqueness of each client in front of you. And when you can give treatment in this way, you're really giving treatment that is exactly specific to them, their nervous system, and their presentation, right? So um, when you can really start to harness that pre-post test, and really that's all it is, you know that you're doing the stuff that is going to help them. And I think I think our ability to be as specific to the client sitting in front of us is something we're really lacking in the rehab profession. And certainly at, at scale and PT, right? Everyone gets a TheraBand and does clamshells, and that's not necessarily <laughs> unique unique to that person sitting in front of you. And that's fine if you want to stimulate that tissue, but add more things with it. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it really does just expand the possibilities. Yeah. Very cool stuff. So let's, uh, tell everybody where you guys are. Uh, well, let's start with, you know, how people can get a hold of you, uh, where they can find you online, where they can find you on social media. Yeah. So I think, um, as far as social media goes, Instagram is our biggest resource and that's been a really awesome connector for it. So, um, we're at integrated kinetic neurology on Instagram and we're trying to constantly post stuff up there. And if you want to stay in touch with new courses and things like that coming out, that's a really good place to see it. Um, and then our website is www.iknurology.com. Um, and you can subscribe to our newsletter there if that's a better way for you to stay in touch with us. Uh, that has all our courses listed, all our city dates. Um, it does have some kind of intro videos about what to expect at the courses and things like that. So if you want to know more, those are probably the two best resources for us. And you can also drop a line in the contact us page there. Those go directly to me and Ryan, and we'll get back to you um, if you have specific questions about things. And where are you guys going to be next? Uh, that's a good question. So we, I will be in Charlotte, North Carolina in two weeks. And then Ryan's going to Mumbai and Pune, India. Um, I see that. Wow. It's over two weeks here. And then after that, uh, we have an ICAM performance course coming up in D.C. in August. That's our only East Coast performance course left of the year. Um, and then we have... What do we got? New York City coming up. I'm trying to think of U.S. courses. New York City. Uh, I, got, got, I got it right here if you want me to... I got it right here. So New York City. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. October 26, 27. Don't expect them to memorize their schedules. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> New York City. Uh, well, uh, Prague, Czech San Republic, Diego. October 12th and 13th. Uh, I married a Czech woman. Maybe I can trick her into going to Prague. Oh, wow. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, New York, uh, 26, 27th of October. Warsaw, 26, 27th. Bucharest, uh, Romania. November 16th, 17th, Singapore, November 28th, 29th, Singapore 30th, uh, November 30th, and December 1st. Is that like a, a level one and two, or is that just... No, we've got back-to-back courses there, both level one courses. Yeah, oh. yeah there's a lot of, a lot of demand um, from Singapore currently, and a lot of the rest of this year is a lot of international courses. I mean, we've done courses in 18 countries at this point, so yeah, um, we have a couple Russia, U.S. Too. courses. Yeah, yeah, so we have a couple U.S. courses left, um, but in 2020, we're going to try to cap those at a certain amount. So um, I would say try to get to what you can get to. We will be launching our 2020 initial batch of courses here coming up this month in August. So um, if none of those dates work for you, we'll probably have a couple more um, coming out in 2020. But uh, yeah, coming up, Ryan's getting sent to India here very shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for anybody listening, Ryan is in Ireland right now. So he is uh, taking time out of his evening to to spend time with us and, and chat about our fun uh, nerdy obsessions. 
No, it's an absolute pleasure. I always like <laughs> Americans. I lived there for seven and a half years, eight years. So yeah, I miss it there, and I, I miss talking to Americans over there too. Because it's talking <laughs> on your own over here. You know, I grew I up. With, I don't know if I've heard that much. Really? Uh, especially it's, now. It's that novelty, you know. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing you don't know is Ryan lives in a small town, mostly farmers, right? <laughs> yeah. So I definitely a lot of in time trying to like meet expectations. You know, when people come in looking for the elbow drop in the back, that, that's what <laughs> I really had to work right. nice and slowly. And I got a, I got a good experience as to how you can really explain this to your client. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a tough one. But he he comes back over here frequently. He'll be teaching the Tampa course uh, in uh, when's that? When's that? That's September. Uh, September, yeah, he'll be September. teaching in September. So if you want to hear his beautiful Irish accent, that's probably the best way to do it. Or in our online courses, he's mostly talking in those. So you can you can listen to his voice there. Yeah, if I could pitch the the uh, online courses myself, uh, the cerebellum and vestibular uh, courses. These are all um, essentially webinars with Ryan voicing over PowerPoint. Yes. Uh, yes. Great information, great introductory information into both of those systems. Uh, those are two of my favorite systems, and you actually have uh, visual system, proprioceptive system, and I'm interested in the jaw uh, yeah. when it comes out. So coming soon, yeah. uh, it'll be up there. Reasonably priced stuff, too, and it, it goes to the Teachable app is what you guys use. I actually have used that for yeah. other things. That's a great app, actually, because um, you can just you can load it up, download it to your device. You don't even need uh, the internet connection once you've downloaded it. So it's a really, really cool platform and these guys have some great information out there so definitely check them out go to their seminars page on iknurology.com and uh, catch them before the end of the year and then just hang on for those 2020 dates guys thank you so much for spending the time with me i really enjoyed it thank you it's a pleasure absolutely john thank you